I know that technically Black History Month is over, but they give us the shortest month anyway. We're going to take another week. <laughs> Amen. Um, because I feel like there's more that at least um, the Lord wants, to wants us to hear um, as black Americans, you know, um, African-Americans, black Americans, whatever, you know, you want to use. But our pastor has described his church as a black church because primarily the demographics here are black people. And there's something special and precious in that um, and the reason why they're, they're gathering together. Um, so I feel like in order for us to move to a place of healing, which is what um, we are on the, on the trajectory to do, there's still more that we can fully explore, investigate, um, and acknowledge as a people together. Amen? And this is a safe place. The church is a safe place for us to be able to investigate, discover, explore these things. So I feel like this is, you know, this is of the Lord um, because really there is a shared trauma that we have all experienced. Whether you realize it or not, whether you were born, you know, in 2020 or you were born, you know, back in 1950s, there's a shared trauma that we all experience and the enemy's job is to um, come against us as a people. And I'm here to expose the enemy's plans and strategies against us as a people. And I believe once we're able to see how he is, the wiles of the enemy, now total healing can begin. Amen? Ephesians 6, 10 through 13. Sorry, this wasn't on my scriptures, but I want to say Ephesians 6, 10 through 13 in the King James Version. It says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the full armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And verse 13, wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. We are here to expose the, the wiles of the devil against us as black Americans, as a people group. Amen? Because we know John 10, 10, the thief cometh not but for to steal and kill and to destroy. But Jesus said, I am come that they might have life. That includes all of us, every African-American, that they might have it more abundantly. So once you understand the enemy's assignment, you'll be able to see his handiwork in everything that we're discussing today. Because the enemy's job is stealing, killing, and destroying. And one of the ways that he does that, specifically as it relates to black Americans, is separating people from God and separating us from each other. Amen. Sowing, sowing discord and dissension and disagreement. That is the enemy's MO. That is what he specializes in. That's his modus operandi. In Genesis chapter 3, Verse 12, we see that, that we even see seeds of that. This is Adam and Eve. The man said, the woman that whom thou gayest to me, she gave me the, of the tree and I did eat. Pointing fingers, taking sides, opposing. That's what the enemy wants to sow into the hearts of God's people. Cain and Abel, we see it again. They were sowing, you know, am I my brother's keeper? 
All of this is, is what he specializes in. And the enemy does not want us united as black Americans. So he sows seeds of discord amongst us so that it be used against us. And the actions, you know, they don't come from, obviously, the Spirit of God, because the Spirit of God does not, does not um, sow those things. But they come from the pit of hell. They come from a deceiver. They come from a liar. Amen. So all sowers of discord are anybody that are false witnesses who breathes out lies and deceit. And we see it in the church because really the church, if we're a, we're a, a, a black church, we are a microcosm of the black American experience as a whole. We're a small subset of that. And if the enemy can, can sow, sow, sow seeds of discord here, Amongst us, imagine, amongst us who are all believers, who all believe in the Lord, who all believe in Jesus, who all proclaim of the same faith, who all have, who are all following the same vision and purpose. If he can create seeds of discord amongst us, fights and quarrels amongst brothers and sisters in Christ, can't you imagine what he's doing outside of these walls? Statistics show that black Americans have, are, are, have a higher percentage of the greater population that actually go to church. We're, we're of the higher percentage of the whole in terms of affiliating with a higher power, attending church, and even praying. But we have seen a falling away, amen? Amen. It is a falling away that's not just related to African Americans, but to, to the church at large. And that is what the enemy is trying to do. He has, has tried to create discord, dissension, division amongst the saints, where we are all supposed to believe the same thing. And as a result, it's tearing up God's church because it is the Lord's church. Amen. It's the Lord's church. And discord is, is not how God has called us to be because what it does, it disrupts the oneness of the body. It disrupts the oneness of the body. It destroys discipleship. It destroys families. Amen. It weakens our worship. It retards spiritual growth. You're wondering why it seems like we as a people can't get over the hump. Like why it seems like we're always trying to scratch and surviving. Like that is what the enemy is trying to do. He's trying to retard spiritual growth. Disrupting the mission of saving souls. And it breaks God's heart. It breaks God's heart because he wants us to be in unity. We have to understand differences is not discord. Differences is not discord. We can disagree. We can disagree, but the enemy starts to then, because it's a slippery soap, because after you disagree, if your heart is not right, then now you can go on the train of discord. And we have to understand that the black church has played an enormous role in the progression of black Americans in America. Civil rights movement, the black church was the staple, the hub, because segregation limited blacks, black people's options about where they could even congregate, where they could celebrate, where they could carry business. And it was the black church that kept the survival. 
And all throughout history, we have seen the black church. It's not just a place of worship, but it's a place of a community support group. It's a place of businesses coming together. It's a place of celebration of the arts. It's a place of building up of the saints is resolving disputes. It's a center of political activism. John Lewis even said the civil rights movement was based on faith, on faith. And many of us who were participants in the movement saw our involvement as an extension of our faith. So that's why it is important. That is why it's important that we congregate together. That is why it's important that we come into the fellowship together. One more thing I wanted to read before we get moving. Henry Louis Gates said one of the greatest achievements in the long history of civilization, as far as he was concerned, is the extraordinary resilience of the African-American community under slavery. We're going to talk about the trauma, the shared trauma that we have all experienced. Because whether or not, none of us were slaves here, amen? But the residual vestiges of that still remain in our lives. And it's only by coming to the Lord and casting that care unto him where you will be able to be free. So he said the extraordinary resilience of the African-American community under slavery, even resilience. Sometimes, you know, we marvel at that, but that can be a detriment if we're not taking care of ourselves resilience in, in the fact that, okay, because we're doing it, because we survived, then there must be that there's nothing wrong. But there is still something, there is a trauma that needs to be healed within each and every one of us. And it says, though he says, the, through the sheer will and determination of these men and women to live, to see another day, to thrive, the number of Africans dragged to North America between 1526 and 1808, when the slave trade ended, totaled approximately 388,000. So 388,000 came. And then another 52,000 through intra-American trade. That initial population then grew to some 4.4 million free and enslaved people by 1860. Just think about that. 400,000 slaves under the harsh treatment, kidnapping first of all, and all of the things that they experienced as being a slave, whipped, beaten, like not treated as a human being, there was still a resilience in us to form families and populate and grow to 4.4 million people. And he said, how is that possible? What sustained our ancestors under the nightmare of enslavement to build families and survive? Their very being being ripped apart and sold off in the domestic trade to carry on despite not being able to ward off the, the sexual advantages and rapes because now they have found out that at least the average of Af in the average of African-American, there is at least 24% European. 
What? How were they able to populate and grow, to acquire skills when they were not taught to read? They had to hide it to create a variety of complex cultural forms when there was no resources, to withstand torture, debasement, and the suffocating denial of their right to learn to read and write and to defer the gratification of freedom from bondage, all without ever giving up the hope of liberty. What empowered them with hope against hope? We know because it comes from the word. Who hoped against hope? Abraham. So the black church was this cultural cauldron that black people created to combat a system that was designed to crush their spirits. We weren't meant to populate and, and, and survive as we have and now thrive as we have. That was not the enemy's intention. Just like it was the enemy's intention in terms of the Holocaust was to kill as many Jews as possible before they had accepted and received Jesus Christ. That was the purpose. That's why it was so rampant. That's why it was so fast. The enemy is here to still kill and destroy. We have to understand what he is doing. And as, as black America, we have to understand that we are diverse We have an array of backgrounds. We have an array of expectations. We have different perspectives. We have different political views. We have different differences in music. We are not a monolith population. We're not all the same. And that's a good thing. God said he placed us all in the body. We all have a part. So if we know this, if we understand what the enemy is trying to do, has always tried to do, why then do we see dissension? Why do we see division? Why don't we see unity the way? Because if two or three agree, hallelujah, if two or three agree in the name of the Lord, hallelujah, hallelujah, and and. You know, and, and although we have all of these differences, the thing is we are united by our melanin. Because somebody meeting you on the street, they don't know all the different differences. They don't know where you grow up, but they see the color of your skin. And whether you want to be affiliated or you don't, you are. So we have to learn to work together. We have to learn to, to bring 1 Corinthians 12 it, it, it together where the, the whole body has many parts. And, you know, what, what is the foot says, you know, can't say that I'm not a far part of the body because I'm not the hand. You know, we may disagree on the strategies of how we are going to fix the injustices in America. And that's okay. We need all the parts. God put us all in the body. I know from experience that we are not a monolith. I learned this over 20 years ago when I attended Howard University School of Law. That's an HBCU. Amen. 
And although the majority of us in the class were black Americans, I saw the same diversity in thoughts, beliefs, experiences. There were distinctions between men and women, socioeconomics, even regionally. Like the fact that I was from Chicago was, was something way different for a lot of the people in my class. And we don't understand how, you know, because I went to DePaul before that and I was a minority there. And because there was just a small percentage of black Americans there, we all seemed to band together. So it all seemed like we were all alike, you know? But we had those differences then. But we came together because we realized the importance of coming together. So what has this got to do with healing? I believe that if the enemy's job is to create discord, there's a reason for that because he understands the importance of us uniting together. Race does not have to divide us. As Pastor Reggie spoke last week, we are all human. So there's no reason to make a division in that regard. But I believe that, that the word has been challenging of the last month for many to receive because there is still some healing that needs to take place in our hearts. And as we spoke Wednesday, you, healing first begins with acknowledgement. And we have to really acknowledge amongst ourselves that there has been a shared trauma, a long history of inhumanity, repression, violence, and injustice that continues to grip us even today. It didn't just happen 400 years ago. It didn't just happen 75 years ago. It continues today. And as a result, there, the, the need for healing requires unity. The more that we can come together and share and encourage and lift up one another, we will heal as a people. Now as we heal as a people, now we can help heal the world. Every week we come here, many of us carrying different kinds of trauma. And the, some are from the vestiges of the past that I just described. And it affects the way we relate to our spouses. It affects the way we relate to our children. It affects the way we worship. It affects the way we're able to show honor. It affects the way that even in our physical bodies. And I think we have to talk about it more. Amen? I came to this word Friday. I was just watching... Um, this is us, and the character Beth, who was a black woman, was speaking to some scholarship students at a dance program. Many were um, students of color. And she just said a couple sentences that just jumped out to me. And she said to them, you belong and take up space. You belong and take up space. And immediately when I heard that, I wrote it down on my iPad because I believed that God was trying to show me something and even bring me back to something I had already been studying about the trauma that black Americans had experienced. And it comes to this point, it's like, why at times as a people, we feel stagnant? Why at times do we feel like we, you know, we, we, that somebody even needs to tell us that we belong? That someone even needs to tell us to take up space. Why don't, why aren't we coming in the room setting the environment? Why aren't we taking up the space that we deserve as a human being? 
The world has told us to be small. The world has told us to keep our heads down. The world has told us that we're victims and disadvantaged and not smart enough. That world has told us that we're too black or too much. The world has told us that we don't belong. But in learning how to relate to others, you have to first know who you are. You have to know who you are. And we belong. This is all part of healing. We can't begin to heal with white Americans if we are not healed ourselves. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a psychologist. But I read. I was a history major. I love history. You don't have to be an expert to speak on this, but I'm going to tell you what I have read in terms as it relates to trauma. Because the thing is with history, if you don't learn from history, everything is cyclical. It does repeat itself. It does. That's why it is important. You have to be the first teachers of your children of, the, of black history. Stop complaining and marching for the schools to do it. It starts at home regardless of whatever they do and decide. Save your, your, your voice. Save your struggles. Teach your children. So trauma, I got a couple definitions. You can pull up. Trauma in general can be defined as any significant negative event or incident that shaped us and can emerge from any impactful instance that has made us feel bad, scared, hurt or ashamed. I'm going to repeat. Trauma is defined as any significant negative event or incident that shaped us that, that can, and, and can emerge from any impactful instance that has made us feel bad, scared, hurt, or ashamed. And then racial trauma can involve negative, sudden, and uncontrollable experience or crisis. It involves an ongoing physical or psychological threat that produces feelings of fear, anxiety, depression, helplessness, and post-traumatic stress disorder. Simply put, trauma can be defined as an overwhelming experience where we lose connection with what is safe. And if we just spoke, being in the church is a safe place. Why? Because the Lord is here. We can't be disconnected from our ability to access the internal resources that help us heal, and that's the Lord. We can only heal as a people with the Lord. Apart from the Lord, you can do nothing. But when you are traumatized, you are left feeling detached from feeling normal. You are disconnected from your ability to access what's on the inside of you. You are unable to take action to heal because you feel helpless, because you feel broken, because you feel unwanted, because you feel inadequate. The key word in trauma healing is safe. Without safety, we can't heal. And that's why I believe that healing must take place in here in the church because only God can heal us. Here's some stats, and just, this is just a few. I could have went on and on, where we can see the symptoms of this trauma. This is the stuff we carry, and then we come to the altar to get prayer for, but we don't realize the roots of it. Adult blacks and African Americans are more likely to have feelings of sadness, 
hopelessness and worthlessness than adult whites. Blacks are less likely than white people to die from suicide at all ages. However, black teenagers are more likely to attempt suicide than white teenagers. More than one in five black people in the U.S. lived in poverty as of 2018. Historical adversity, which includes slavery, sharecropping, race-based exclusions from health, educational, social, and economic resources, translates into the socioeconomic disparities experienced by blacks today. Social and economic status, in turn, is linked to mental health. People who are impoverished, homeless, incarcerated, or have substance abuse problems are at a higher risk for poor mental health. Makes sense. Yet for most black Americans, the accumulation of 400 years of racial oppression resulting in a far greater deep, deep, or depth of trauma, slaves' experiences of being held against their will followed by their descendants' experiences of being openly and systematically discriminated against, results in a profound and overwhelming lack of safety. This is trauma. Our introduction into America was one of the enemy's schemes because we were kidnapped and torn from our homes. That was the job of the enemy to steal, kill, and destroy. But we have seen we are resilient people, and the reason why they were able to continually populate and reside was that they had their face to the Lord. And so many of us now in the social media age of I can do what I want, and I can go where I want, and I have freedom, are living in this false sense that they got it in control when really they are dealing with trauma and they need the Lord to heal them as well. It's clear that of the impact that we see in terms of slavery. Um, I studied even how it could affect us biologically. Um, they said that those people who deal with trauma it doesn't actually change the sequence of your DNA, but it rather changes the structure of your DNA. So trauma can leave a lasting mark on an individual that can be inherited from one generation to the next, even impacting up to 14 generations. They studied as it relates to Jewish people in, in Nazi Germany that they had to deal with, with the Holocaust. And there was a change, a mutation in, in their genes, which even led to some experiencing obesity and just other, other ailments that you wouldn't even think, all starting from trauma. But the thing is, thanks be to God, amen? Because healing is ours. We don't have to worry about the curse. We don't have to worry about God has redeemed us from every curse of the law. Everything that the enemy has tried to throw at us as a people, God has already redeemed us. And the way that we're able to walk in power, the way that we're able to walk in authority and, and is when we choose Jesus. We choose righteousness. We choose, we choose to obey God. That's when the chains are broken. We choose life.
You know, ask yourself, how has being a black American impacted you on your stress level? Your stress level as a, as a person, how has it impacted you? Symptoms specific to trauma in African Americans could include um, fears and anxiety in the presence of law enforcement, paranoia, suspicion, excessive worries about your family and safety. Those are things that the Lord did not give us. And God has told us we need to cast those cares unto him. Are you casting those cares unto him or are you just complaining about them? Are you, are you praying or are you choosing to be anxious? This is what we need to address as a people because we were stripped of our culture, identity, heritage, and all of these different things, yet the power of Jesus Christ still shines through us as a people, as a church. And that's what we cling to. Amen? Also, we may experience vacant self-esteem. Vacant self-esteem is defined as a state of believing oneself to have little or no worth, exasperated by the group and societal pronouncement of inferiority. Take up space. You belong. Do you go into a job interview feeling automatically feeling inferior? You're walking in. You are applying to the job automatically feeling inferior. Do you not even apply for the job or for the scholarship or for the loan or for the grant because you don't feel like you deserve it? That's the vestiges of slavery. That's the vestiges of discrimination and the trauma. Think about what happens to your brain when you've experienced a trauma and you survived. Now that event is stored in your memory glands. And that purpose is to help you, is to allow your brain to access that information quickly in order to better survive the next time. However, like this is how God made us. This is how we can protect ourselves. But the problem is when that continually builds up. When, 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 no, when, when more sensory things comes in, every time you look at another video of police brutality, every time you experience another level of trauma, now you're triggered and that continually builds up inside of you. And if you're not continually casting your cares unto the Lord, you won't experience freedom. The stress will build. The stress will build. The stress hormones, hormones can even alter your DNA, scientists say. So when we're under stress, we produce steroid hormones. And that can affect our bodily systems including the pituitary glands of our brain, the adrenal glands near the kidneys. As I mentioned earlier, Jewish Holocaust survivors, um, they found that the individuals had altered genes along with PTSD, hypertension, and obesity. I know I deal with hypertension. These are common in the black community. Think about the cultural conditioning that we experience in black America, just even to be successful. If you were like me, your mother taught you, your father taught you, you have to work twice as hard as anybody else, as the next person. And that's true. It's something that we have to do. However, think about how that feels 
when you are doing it, though? And where does it come from? That philosophy comes from our ancestors and the slaves. They had to work sun up to sundown. If they even appeared fatigued or unproductive, they would be called lazy and be beaten. And we're coming into a job. I know when I, I, str I struggled initially in my first job as an attorney because I carried with it all the pressure, not only because of, of having to be twice as successful, but I was the only black female, so lack of representation. And I was coming from a black school. So now it's like every action I did, every move I made, I represented not just myself, not just my family, but my school from where I came from, the peak black community as a large. That's a lot of weight to be carrying and then still do your job. That's what we have to be casting. If I had effectively casted those cares into the Lord at that time, I think I might have been more at peace and not so stressed out. Think about as it relates to our children. During slavery, a parent had to downplay their child's intelligence or strength in order to protect them from being sold on the auction block. I remember when I was in school, there were many other peers, other black children that downplayed their intelligence, downplayed their abilities to, to succeed in school out of fear of being called out. At the time, they would call people Oreos or sellouts or whatever. Do you see the vestiges of where that comes from? We need to understand these things in order to come to a place of healing. Amen? Amen. So this is where we turn to the Lord. Hallelujah. This is where we turn to God. He is the only one that can heal us from these effects of trauma. And this is why I brought some of these things out. There's so many more. We can go even deeper and deeper. But this is the beginning of a continual conversation that we need to all have and explore to need to have honest acknowledgement, investigation, because it's only when you understand the root of something, now you're able to pull it up out of its roots. When we're dealing with some of this trauma, it changes the way we see God sometimes, because we feel like, well, God, why did we have to endure this? Why did we have to? And we don't realize how God was with us all. God was with those slaves. There were so many miracles that came forth. The fact that they were even resilient enough to populate and thrive the way that they did in terms of sheer numbers. That's only the Lord. The word of God gives us hope that healing is possible. Hope against hope. That's where we need to cling to. So as we cling to the word, receive the engrafted word of God that's able to heal our souls. I want the word to heal you even as I release it right now. And this is just the beginning because healing is a process. Amen? But faith cometh by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. And this is the beginning. Isaiah 53, 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. Don't you ever think that you were forgotten. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. We are healed. You can declare that I am healed right now. I am the healed. I am healed. Hebrews 4.15 For we have not a high priest 
which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Jesus knows exactly what you are feeling. He knows exactly what you're going through. But was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. He is our example. That's why we look to Jesus. 1 Peter 5, 7, which I've already mentioned, casting all of your care upon him for he careth for you. There needs to be a continuing casting of cares in your day-to-day life. As soon as a care presents itself, as soon as people want to say the enemy tries it, you need to cast it out. Don't receive it. Don't fester in it. Don't talk about it. Don't complain on it. Don't gossip with it. Don't pity party with it. Cast it out. When the enemy calls you out of your name, you don't need to answer. You don't need to respond. You don't need to receive it. And all of these things that I mentioned that the world does to try to beat us down and keep us down, that's all outside of our name and our nature and who God created us to be. Psalms 107, 13 through 16. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. There needs to be a continually crying unto the Lord. He broke them out of darkness and of the shadow of death and broke their bands in sunder. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he had broken the gates of brass and cut the bars of iron in sunder. And Joel 2.25, and I will restore to you the years that the locusts have eaten. The word is still alive and true for us today. The canker worm and the caterpillar and the palmer worm, my great army which I have sent amongst you. The word heals, amen? But you got to continually receive it. You can't, that's, that's, now we can go back to what pastor was telling us as black Americans, things we need to do to throw out the victim mentality. Now you can be strong to throw out the victim mentality because you know that you're not a victim. So as we turn to the Lord in healing and find our true identity in Christ, and we ask God to pour his strength into our lives in any area of weakness that we may have, any area where we are still carrying a a defeatist mentality or, or something that came from the vestiges of slavery that was tried to be beat into us as a people, the Lord is healing us. And there's just four points I just want to bring out in terms of moving from trauma to healing. First, you have to, which we have started to do, acknowledge the reality of your trauma. Now, I only mentioned a few things. Yours may be some others. This is where you need to start to admit to yourself, talk to the Lord, ask Holy Spirit to reveal to you what areas where you are hurting in need of healing. What symptoms are you experiencing? Is it anger? Is it bitterness? Is it low self-esteem? Is it fear? Is it anxiety? Those are the areas where you're stuck because God didn't give us those things. The enemy sent those things to kill, steal, and destroy us. So it's our responsibility 
to let those things go. So we have to trust in the Lord and pour out our heart before him, as we had mentioned earlier. So acknowledge the reality of your trauma. Two, investigate emotional and psychological walls you may have erected and self-protected tools you may have employed. Because the thing is, when you deal with trauma, no, your body does not want to deal with trauma, whether physically, mentally, it's not, it's not running. That's the fight or flight within us. We're going to do something about it. So a lot of times we erect walls to protect ourselves, but all, some walls don't need to be erected because some walls are keeping us from the very thing that God has for us. And we're thinking, well, I'm protecting myself, and really that's not the way God wants us to live. So you need to find the ways, like if there's any walls, either emotionally or psychologically you have erected, um, or ways that you have, have, have taught yourself to, to be healed. Because outside of God, because that's what we do. We find other ways to teach ourselves to be healed, whether it be eating, whether it be, you know, um, substances, whether it be doing stuff that we know we shouldn't be doing. I, I don't need to list all the things. You know what they are, the destructive ways and things that we do to cope. Living in black America, living in America as a black American. But if it's outside of God's love, if it's outside of God's healing, then you need to let it go. So you know what it is for you. But that's what you need to investigate. So many of us are living trapped lives. Take up space. You belong. So many of us are, have erected these walls and these parameters. I'm talking about our people. Of like, we don't go there. We don't do that. We only work here. We only live here. We only do that. When healing for some of us is just being exposed to new things. That's why traveling, even like when we were in Mexico last month, and Pastor Clyde said everybody should at least do a mission trip. And I completely agree. Everyone needs to get out of themselves and go into a completely different environment so they can see the vastness of our God. And it may not be necessarily out of this country. It could be to another environment or neighborhood that you don't ever go into. But you need to see if stuff is bigger than the parameters of your neighborhood that stuff is bigger than the parameters of your church that stuff is bigger than the parameters of your people third thing you need to do is recognize the source of the trauma which we have highlighted today is the enemy we know the enemy is the source of the trauma and the enemy is stealing, killing, and destroying not just black Americans, but everyone. But there's a specific agenda as it relates to black America. The enemy wants black America also to think that the white man is the devil. That is a lie. Because he's trying to blind you from who the real devil is himself. The devil don't want us to be healed. He don't want us to, to grow. He wants us to be stagnant. He wants us to be in bitterness. He wants us to be in bitterness about trauma and slavery. He wants us to be unforgiving. And those are all opposite of what God wants us to be. God wants us to forgive. God wants us to heal. And, and in fact, God has already healed us through Jesus. 
You have to continually remember Ephesians 6, 12, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. It's hard to do that when the person is right in front of you and they look a certain way because that's, again, your, your memory is triggering you of like, okay, this person has hurt me and they look this way. Therefore, whenever I see another person looking similar to them, and it's not just black Americans, it's white Americans too. That's how pervasive this trauma is. It affects us all. It affects the way they look at us. It affects the way we look at them. It affects the way we look at ourselves. You got to remember when they were crucifying Jesus, he prayed for the people who were crucifying him. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. So many people are going around here with different agendas. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know who's the author of that agenda. They don't know that the enemy has spoken to them to release that agenda in the earthly realm. So you have to know and recognize the source of your trauma. And finally, you got to receive healing and freedom from the Lord. Because as I mentioned over and over again, only, the, only God can heal you. Only the Lord can heal you. Now, this may bring to you where you need to receive specific counseling for certain symptoms. And that's okay. Because the Lord will anoint that Christian counselor to help you go through the process of healing. You may need to inform a medical doctor. If you are dealing with depression and it becomes severe and chronic, you need to trust that healing comes from the Lord. That if it's, if it's something that's healing you, that's not authored by the enemy. So you may need to process your flashbacks or your dreams or your nightmares with a trained professional, and that's okay. We're just opening the door to... To, to what you need to do, but you got to seek healing for yourself. Proverbs 22.3 says, a prudent person foresees danger and takes precaution. It's only the simpleton that blindly goes on and suffers the consequences. You know what you're dealing with. You know where you're triggered. And it's not your husband, it's not your wife, it's not your children, it's not your boss. There is something at root that's triggering you. And as it relates to white America, they need to understand that this trauma has occurred as a result of slavery and the effects of not treating black Americans as human beings. And it affects them as well, as we said. It affects the way they see the world. It affects their actions. It affects the way they see us. And the way that they can acknowledge us is by acknowledging our humanity. Instead of trying to ask themselves, am I racist? They need to ask themselves, am I treating black people with dignity at all times? Am I empathetic and compassionate in light of all the added additional burden that African Americans carry, not of their own choosing? We were born into this. So as I close, I want us to be encouraged. This was, this was a message. I know it's talking about trauma, which seems negative, but this was a message of uplifting our people. This is a message of encouragement. This is a message that, that, that we do belong, 
that we can take up as much space as we want. This is a message of Jesus Christ. This is the gospel fully realized. This is the woman at the well. The woman at the well had experienced trauma in her life as a Samaritan person. Jesus showed us how he heals. He listened to her. He valued her. He showed her compassion and he offered her life. And Jesus offers us all life today. But the thing is, he doesn't force feed it on us. We got to choose it. We have to choose life. We have to choose healing. We have to choose deliverance today because his blood still works. It still works to cover any trauma that we may have experienced, anything that may have come down our family line. He is not deaf to our cries. His promises are still yes and amen as it relates to us. And I believe as it relates to the next movement for black Americans, it's going to again begin in the church as it began before. So we need to be here and we can't be caught up in foolishness. We can't be caught up in discord and dissension. How is it that you're serving with a brother and sister, a brother and sister of, of, from, from the Lord, and you disagree about how you're going you to place the, the programs for the event, and that causes discord, causes you to leave the church? And that's just a silly example, but really a lot of these disputes are silly. And we're, we're, and we're trying to wonder, where's the unity in our community? The church, the black church is going to lead the way in uniting us and America. But we got to be present and accounted for. We have to be the exceeding great army. We have to be in position. We have to be ready. We have to be sober-minded. We have to be here. And we got to be healing together. So as you meet in your life groups, that's the time to discuss these things. That's the time to encourage one another, lift one another. I know in my life group, that's what we do. We've experienced discrimination and prejudice on our jobs. We discuss it with one another. We release it so that we can cast that care into the Lord and realize who we really are. That's the purpose of us gathering here on Sundays. That's the purpose of us gathering on Wednesdays around the world. We are building ourselves up because God wants us to succeed. But he needs you present and accounted for. So take up space. You belong in Jesus' name.